Hello and welcome to another episode of Hot Takes, the story screen podcast where we see newer movies, take those hot impressions out of the oven, uh, cooking is a metaphor for time and for freshness and for things, and we take those, uh, those hot, spicy impressions, the souffle, we blow it off a little bit, do a little bit on it, and then we present to you the dish. To you listeners, uh, it's a it's a you know it's a podcast to talk about movies. My name's Robbie Anderson. I'm your host today. Uh, before we break into it, I want to let you guys know that uh, you're listening to this podcast, and that's great. And while you're listening to this podcast, don't forget to like the thing, comment on the thing, and go to storyscreenbeacon dot com to look for other things. That's that. That's that. It's easy. It's, it's a easy. good place. Yeah. Uh, I'm joined by two wonderful folks, uh, Bernadette Gorman-White. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you for joining me. And uh, joined by not a first-time story screen person, but a first-time hot taker, Linda Codega. How are you? I'm doing okay, surviving the heat. Yeah, it's it's spicy out there. I have central air, as I mentioned, off mic, and uh, living like a king. (laughs) <laughs> like truly, truly a lord among peasants. Ooh, did I did I drop this king? Um, wow, Linda, Linda and I are just living in saunas. Yeah, you cool. guys, you guys are spicing up. Well, I mean that's you know the way it's been done for thousands of years. So it's these true. guys are oh natural. Oh boy, uh, Linda, you uh, are on the Trikai Nine podcast, so some people might know you from there. Yes. But for a first time hot taker, tell tell the world a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm Linda. I use they, them pronouns. I write about film for the Story Screen blog, and it holds my magnum opus, which is the top uh, 10 queerest movies by Channing Tatum, which everyone should go to read. Um, I'm also. It's very good. It's, it's, <laughs> it's very, very good. good. <laughs> I took a screenshot when I saw that it had 69 views, and it's just labeled on my computer desktop as like nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think I think that's a pretty good introduction to to who I am as a person. Honestly, you're a you're a master Perfect. shipper of people. Listen, um, I have I have some talents. Yeah, you're the you're the biggest queer I know. Oh, They're a shipbuilder. Oh my god, this is this is. Whew, I need to go. I need to go take a walk. This is so flattering. We're, we're happy to have you here, and uh, the movie that we are hot taking today is The King of Staten Island. Wow! 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 A Judd Apatow joint starring Pete Davidson uh, with all of his new teeth. Because um, <laughs> they took them all out and put put porcelain in there, right? Like, he has just, like, brand new teeth. Who knows? I they have not thought about they it. Don't, they don't look like that. Like, teeth don't look... That's not, like... Like, human teeth? They don't look like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they really do look like Remy Malek's mouth from yeah. Queen. Which we all yeah. know is... <laughs> not real. Not real. <laughs> So that's my hot take on the movie. What are your guys' hot take on, <laughs> on uh, King of Staten Island? Uh, I really I really just hope that Pete Davidson is in actual therapy and doesn't just think that by making a movie, all of his problems are suddenly not there anymore. Aw, that's sweet. Bernadette, what's your, what's your hot take? Overall, I, I, I liked it. Yeah. But I will say that the first half of the film... I thought it was really interesting and like a fresh take from Judd Apatow because I feel like he usually sticks to more of a formula. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the first half of the film was lacking that formula and I liked that. But I think overall, like by the end, the ending almost like wrapped up like too sweet. It like reminded me that I was watching a movie, whereas yeah. the first half kind of made me feel like I was just seeing a snapshot of these people's lives, which I really liked. I like that point because... I kind of agree. Like I was very like into the movie, and I felt like kind of like the best parts of a Judd Apatow movie, which is like you know Judd Apatow has kind of become a a genre, a subgenre of comedy to itself, you know. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like the last half of the movie it it does turn into like oh no, this is actually just like a regular Judd Apatow movie. It's just like a normal where things like really start to fall into place. And but the thing is, you know, my my takeaway from the movie, other than you know. Uh, Pete Davidson's dentures is uh, <laughs> is that it was very sweet. I did like how sweet the movie was. I did like how you know it made me feel nice, which I thought was cute. Um, but yeah, any uh, what 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 else do you guys got? What other spicy spicy things are are gestating in your minds? 
So I'm still debating whether or not I liked it, honestly, because I, I feel like it's one of those films that for the first, you're watching one, like you said, you're watching one movie for the first hour and a half, and then you're watching another movie for the next hour. And I'm like, this length is so indulgent and it's just like self, it it just feels very like selfish and self-aggrandizing and sort of knowing that like Pete Davidson, this is a very, um, I hope this is still spoiler free but like it's pretty well known that this is this is kind of like semi-autobiographical for pete davidson yeah i think that's the conversation about the movie as a whole yeah (laughs) yeah so i think it's one of those things where this definitely feels more like he was just trying to work through some shit um in a way that i felt was like it just it just feels like too I don't know. It's one of those things. It feels like a fantasy, right? It feels like too personal. And then at the end of it, it just feels like too, too kind, too nice. And I'm like, he was such a dick bag, like the whole fucking movie. And now he's like, this is the ending he gets. I don't know. I didn't. I'm still on the fence about whether or not I liked it. There's some things he does in the movie that really doesn't jive with its lackadaisical tone. Mm hmm. And kind of take me out of it. Like, some of, like, the quote-unquote bad things he does, which we'll get into in spoilers. Yeah. I'm just like, this is, like, that's, like, a really shitty thing to do. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm not really rooting for this character anymore, but the movie's cinematic language doesn't make you not root for them. They're like, oh, he did something stupid, but isn't it kind of funny? So we should still keep following him. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one extended Pete Davidson act, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's kind of the the vibe. Like, if you enjoy watching him his stand-up, you will like the movie, but you also might not be, like, totally satisfied, because it feels like there's points where it could go, like, more absurd and more weird and, like, more fantastic, and it just always, like, pulls us back to, but here's a a reality, here's, like, a gritty version of what could happen. It never feels like it's going that extra step, and I don't know if that's to its benefit or to its detriment. Yeah, I think that's why I liked the first half a lot better is because Judd Apatow always writes these characters that are scumbags and who are drug addicts, mm-hmm. and but they're always lovable. They're always given this veneer of like an everyman, someone who's struggling, trying to be better, maybe not trying to be better, but not like actually really hurting anyone except for maybe themselves. And you take Pete Davidson, who literally is that type of person, Mm -hmm. that type of character. And for the first half, you see that kind of with like the rose colored glasses off, you get to judge this person. But then the second half of the film is Judd Apatow and Dave Cyrus and Pete Davidson, who wrote this film, kind of like sticking that character being like oh no but like he's not pete davidson he's in this judd apatow movie and now remember like you're watching something and so it's like he doesn't really get to actually pay for any of his sins in a very like weird meta way i was rooting for him i will say but it's also um i've always kind of been in his camp I really like him on SNL. I think he's a bit of a doof, but I think this is kind of like the era to have like a doof on SNL. <laughs> but but yeah, I think it's uh it kind of wrestles with itself this film does. Yeah. Yeah, Pete Davidson's almost like a weird face of our generation. Like he he's like millennial incarnate in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um his character in this movie, which is very different from in terms of like the successes that him in the real world have. Uh but I think both speak to like the millennial issue where it's just like you found this weird avenue to be fucking famous or you struggle and stay at your mom's house. And yeah. there's no in between. And that's it. And that's kind of that's what we deal with. Uh, I like the the idea of, of discussing this movie with the lens that he's using it for like self-care or like self-medication to work through his issues. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of another movie that I think does this way better. Uh, and that's Honey Boy. And now mm-hmm. that I've thrown that into the ring, Oof. what do you guys think of think of that comparison? Well, I like it because, yeah, Honey Boy is literally, he was arrested and forced to write about his past to get through his past. And then you see that on film. 
And in his therapy sessions, he decided, oh, well, this would make a really good movie. So it definitely made sense to make that a film. So yeah, I get the comparison wholeheartedly. And I do find Honey Boy more enjoyable, but I think it's just because it's more inventive and it tackles the issues more heavily and like head on than I think this movie does. This movie kind of shies away from it by the end. Yeah, you're right. Like this movie looks at what's wrong very slant. It never actually tackles it and i think that's kind of was my problem is just like it felt like so much of this movie was just it felt very grounded but it also felt like boring at times like it was definitely like a low concept like deep character study right like we care more about the characters than the plot which is fine but i feel like i don't know it just felt like it didn't go far enough it didn't interrogate like the feelings enough it didn't actually like move the needle right on this guy's character or his conscience or his like who he was at the end of the movie i felt like he was a slightly better person right but like not still wasn't good like he still was kind of like he didn't actually think that he could yeah he, he like still didn't have a purpose right like yeah. he's he starts out purposeless and then he still ends and he's like still kind of purposeless it like there's the the changes in the low concept film feel so stunted right it's kind of like i don't think pete davidson ever is like i don't think he's still i don't think he's over it right like i don't think he's over it i don't think his character scott is over it i don't think that he develops it just doesn't feel like he actually like moves on like he doesn't move yeah, I think there's a lot of examples to kind of uh, solidify what what you're saying. You know, with something like with, with something like Honey Boy, which is just you know the most direct comparison I can think of at the moment. You know, I think that that movie succeeds in the ways that it's not it's not afraid to get surreal and to kind of like go down that path. And I also think that it's not afraid to make characters that are really flawed and really kind of communicate why this person you're seeing as the protagonist can be flawed because in this movie you know he his you know his he has a, a tragedy that happens in his life um everything else is pretty good though right like you know you look at Shia LaBeouf's character in Honey Boy and like you know he d- despite having fame he has so much like baked in trauma from his childhood that it's hard for him to really like move past but i feel like in this movie pete davidson's like you know he has like you know marissa tomei is your mom can you imagine can you imagine (laughs) how perfect your life would be if that was the case yeah it definitely really highlights how difficult it is to have a death as a parent affect your child at such a young age Mm -hmm. and it I wish they would have leaned into it more to show how much of an enabler she was, but how she was struggling too. And yeah, they didn't really get into that very much at all. It was very much on the surface. Yeah. I was definitely very interested in the sister character whose name escapes me right now. But I thought that Mm -hmm. like her motivations and her story was much like, I felt like she was much more interesting than he was. Right. Like, it's it's sort of like not spoilery to say that he's kind of a dirtbag a lot of the film and yeah. she seems to like when she she like constantly is trying to help him out and make him better and like not not pushing to like change him but just being like look at what you could do look what you could be like look where you where you could end up and i think that her journey as a person who like cares very deeply but like ultimately recognizes that like he's not my responsibility. It's out of my hands. I think that that kind of character process is much more interesting than like Scott slash Pete's character. Like the way that she took responsibility for like, well, I can't leave you alone because I'm worried about you. You know, I think it's, I think her journey, I would have been more interested in than his. Her her side of the story feels the most relatable. Right. Um, even if you're on, even I think if you're in uh, Pete Davidson's character's shoes, I think her side of the story still feels like if you identify more with that character, I still think she feels more relatable. Because mm-hmm. um, I think we've all had people in our lives where 
they don't want to get help and you still really care about them. And it's so hard for you to kind of do that dance of just like, I got to not, I can't invest all, all of my energy into you because you're going to throw it away. Right. And we both know that. Like we're both, we both understand, you know, I think if you ever had like uh, a family member or a friend who's like ever been super into drugs, like it's very similar to that thing where it's just like, Mm -hmm. I need to move on with my life, but I love you and you're not going to seek help and I can't make, you're not going to get help yourself if you don't want to do it. And it's like, yes, see ya. (laughs) It's like, okay. Yeah. I guess that's the way that works. Yeah. I think my last comment about that is like, he felt very, especially at the very beginning of the film. Um, his character felt very abusive and very manipulative. And I think that's probably what soured me from the beginning is because like he, he used very clear, like gaslighting tactics and he used very clear, like deny, deny something and then blame someone else and then like shift attention. Like he did that, the sort of very clear things that like people who are manipulators and people who are abusers and like emotional, um, and who cause emotional harm that they do. And he just sort of replicated those behaviors over and over and over again. And it was really hard for me to like feel compassion or connect with him or like even like root for him, even in the beginning when he's like kind of a lovable goofball, you know? So I don't know. I, it just that. So all of that sort of combined to make it like hard for me to get into the film and also to like connect more with like the sister character. Yeah, I feel like they lampshade a lot of those things that you mentioned by making him, like, just seem stupid at times. So it's like, oh, he doesn't know he's doing these things, but it doesn't really, you know. Someone, Linda, you saw through the bullshit, you know? Yeah, it just felt like bullshit. He does seem very self-aware. Yeah. He says it multiple times. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Before we break into spoilers, I have one more, like, criticism on the movie that's like spoiler free and I think that's like interesting to talk about and I think it's a criticism that a lot of Judd Apatow movies have the movie's too long Ugh. it's too long yep. I think definitively it is too long uh, and I think a lot of his movies suffer from that I saw a tweet the other day that someone was just like uh, King of Staten Island is two hours and 17 minutes long and someone was just like well they called that an Apatow hour and it's like, that's very funny. <laughs> yeah, it's a bummer because if the second half would have been like the first half, that would have mm-hmm. been great. I would have watched two hours and 17 minutes, not to say that I didn't watch this film. But right. yeah, I think uh, it didn't show its length for me personally. I mm-hmm. didn't feel like it was two hours and 17 minutes as I was watching it. But it's probably because it felt like two separate movies. Fair. Yeah, it, it dragged its feet. A bit for me while I was watching it. I I I per- personally I I felt the length a little bit, um, and I think it's just because like you know when you get to this like act two and a half where like things are really starting to look up and there's not really going to be anything to challenge that. It is just kind of like another hour of like a good a good time, but not really much. Uh, not, not not much to chew on in that last half of the movie. You know, not as much as the first. Yeah, well, it's like all the characters go from 3D to 2D in that last hour. Yeah, very fast. Yeah, yeah I, they become like caricatures. I mentioned it earlier, but like that's sort of what what led to my to my comment about like this being an indulgent film. It just feels like, well, we have the time. Why not take it? Like, why not explore other other versions of this trauma? Why not like dive deeper into like other traumatic things that could have happened? And like, why don't we just like why don't we just do it? And there was no one there who said, like, maybe you just shouldn't do it. Maybe just, like, don't do it. Because, like, Apatow and, like, Pete Davidson, like, he, Apatow's obviously, like, such a such a known director. Like, he's a known element, and people know they're gonna make money off him. And Pete Davidson's, like, so of the moment right now that they're just like, yeah, do whatever you want, guys. Just have a good time. Have fun. Like, you know, uh, get some therapy afterwards if you want uh, as a treat. A little therapy is a treat. Uh, <laughs> and it just it just feels like no one told them no, and no one told them to rein it in, and no one told them, to, like, okay, well, maybe you shouldn't explore this. Maybe you should actually, like, dive into this relationship. Like, why are you adding these elements when you could focus on, like, the sister-brother relationship? 
and like explore that a bit more and make that sister more of a character instead of adding in all of these kind of like single serving like vis- like characters like the single serving expressions of trauma you know in different ways yeah is there any appetite movie that kind of does that though i feel like they all they all have this formula and they all like have this kind of like let's just have a good time while dealing with a little bit of drama you know i think i mean 40 the 40 year old virgin right mm-hmm. it's sort of focused in a little bit more right yeah it, it doesn't quite have the the pathos that you're describing that, no you know i think all of his movies i think all those the thing is kind of what we said at the top it's like all all the main characters in these movies you know the, half the reason the movies work on any levels because they're super interesting and you get to see these like uh comedians play center roles and really like show depth while also kind of doing their shtick and it's and it's kind of like a really nice dance for the most part mm-hmm um but yeah we never we never get to see the in-depth like we never really see those characters like challenged on like a real heavyweight level i don't think you know i don't want i don't want to be too general about it but well i generally really like a judd apatow movie but it's because i know what i'm getting myself into like I, i reach for it because i know exactly what it is right um but yeah i think this is 40 does a really good job of being more of like just like a snapshot of these people's lives and with some comedy obviously like peppered in there and i think that's what made me like the first half of this a lot more because it just felt much more real to me Mm -hmm. and then when it turned it was just kind of a bummer but yeah do you you guys recommend people see this movie they they dropped the 20 dollars on amazon to watch this movie um, I think if you like Pete Davidson, it's kind of fun, but just be prepared for a lot of personal trauma. I would recommend it. Uh, Steve Buscemi is always a pleasure to watch. <laughs> and, spoilers, uh, spoilers. You is get a little bit of Steve Buscemi. I think he is. Yeah. All right. No spoilers. Um, no spoilers. <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought it was good. I think there are a lot of other things that you could waste $20 on that would be a lot worse than this. Yeah, but. Two packs of cigarettes. <laughs> there you or go. you could watch this movie. So what do you want? Or, <laughs> or you could buy, you know, uh, two point five uh, subscriptions to CBS All Access and watch Legend of Korra for the rest of your life. <laughs> they only have the first two seasons on CBS All Access. What? That's not true. Yes, that is true. Because I watched Legend of Korra very recently. Unless they changed it. So I watched Legend of Korra on CBS All Access, and then I. Got the Nicktoon plugin for Amazon Prime. Oh my god! And they had that free for a week, and I watched the last two seasons. We're and then deleted that. We're getting out of hand. Yes, that's a tangent. But yeah, <laughs> I definitely re- recommend people watch Legend of Korra, especially if you've seen Avatar. For sure. More. For um, sure. And, and and King of Staten Island. I think that if you and I think you know by emblematic of this conversation, like if you're into Judd Apatow movies, this is another one. <laughs> and it's, and it's good in, and it's good in those ways this sure is um, a Judd Apatow film it's definitely it's definitely a Judd Apatow movie and you know that that means different things to different people right and that's fine um so if you're into that and you know it's it's fun I think it's fun at the end of the day I think I I have some some criticisms I think we all will have more things to say in spoiler zone uh and with that that's where we're going so hopefully we'll see you soon And welcome back. We are in the spoiler zone. Spoiler zone. The uh, the ASMR part of the podcast where I tell you who dies. Please stop. I'm begging you to Never. stop. Never will. Can't stop. Won't stop. Oh my uh, god. I'll stop. So we're in the spoiler <laughs> section. <laughs> Change my mind. So quick. <laughs> yeah. It's actually, you know, Linda brought up a good point about stopping. Uh... We're in the spoiler section. This is the part of the podcast where we talk about who dies or who maybe makes a smooch. Who doesn't make a smooch. Uh, what are some moments you guys have in your brains that you want to jump into? Hmm. Off the bat. Hmm. I thought uh, I really liked the character uh, Igor. Uh, I thought he was really <laughs> funny. Scott's very short friend, but I found it so weird that the two scenes that you see him in, like, their, like, smoker's den 
their drug den. I love I love those scenes. Oh my gosh, I know those people. Like Yeah, you've met them in your in, in my your life. life. Yes. I know people who are exactly like that. So I've been I've been on that couch. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I think yeah. that's why I really liked it at the beginning of the film, but I found it really odd that they made all these short jokes. Like, at the beginning, and I was like, I don't know, is he that short? I have no yes. idea. And then when you see him, like, a couple scenes later, they're playing basketball, and I'm like, why are they playing basketball with this kid? And then I'm like, oh, okay, he is short. Oh, gosh. That's that guy. That, se- that seems effective. Uh, a fun yeah. fact about that actor is that he is in the Ender's Game movie, which I haven't seen, but I know the characters in the Ender Games movie because I've read Ender Games, the book, which I cannot recommend to you guys because the author's a piece of shit. So you don't need to read it anymore. You, you don't. don't need to. Orson Scott card sucks. But in that, but in that story, there's a character who's like known for his short stature, and he plays that character in Ender's Game. Oh, that's which funny. Thought, which I thought was funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, Burn, I really like those scenes as well. I think those are probably some of the strongest comedic moments in the movie, uh, especially like the beginning when they're when they're like. Talking about his dad being dead, and they're like, it's fucked up that you brought up his dad being dead. You should apologize. And they're like, he doesn't care. <laughs> and <laughs> like, see, those, that's so good. Those moments where you see Scott's face kind of reacting to it, and you're like, oh no, he does still very much care. Those are the moments where I think Linda probably wanted it to dive further into. It's like, those were the meteor moments mm-hmm. that they kind of shied away from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that they, they left so much up in the air and they left so much up for interpretation and they left so much up for like, but doesn't he? Like, they tried to be coy about a lot of feelings and emotions and they tried to be like, they tried to like play off a lot of the ways that like Scott felt about himself. Um, and I think that instead of like, providing a depth to the character it made it was a detriment to the film because we couldn't ever actually like connect with what he was actually feeling because we were always like so on the outside of all of it like i think another moment that where i saw that happen was when um scott was dropping the kids off at school and like the 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 woman there was like are you like talking to the little girl was like are you okay and he's like oh i trained her in the car like she's never gonna crack but that was another moment i'm just like who took him to school man like who the fuck took him to school like how does he feel about this how does he like respond to the fact that like nobody trusts him around anyone like people just don't don't trust him um and he did it to himself so there was just so many moments where it's like almost introspective where it was almost a character study where it was like almost revealing what he actually thought and then it just like immediately pulled back yeah it never got there never yeah i feel i feel like the movie doesn't want to get it actively like noticeably doesn't want to go that deep Mm -hmm. Um, for reasons that are you know Maybe they people thought it would mess with the tone to go that direction. I could I could see having a criticism if they do go really in depth in there, being like, "Oh, the tone's a little weird." Um, but I do think there are probably ways to glide into such a vibe. Um, one of so I think my most critical thing about the movie, and and this might be a weird thing to like zero in on. So when Pete Davidson tattoos that fucking kid, right? Ugh. That's like kind of, that's like, it's like super, it's like super fucked up to do that. Like, that's like a dastard. In any other movie, that's like a turning point to be like, this character has become the villain. And one of the things that the characters throw around is that this idea of consent, like the kid's consenting to it. It's like the kid is a minor. Minors can't, they don't, like, that's not how consent works. Like, right. You know, like that, like, minors cannot consent to things like that. That's, that's brass tack. That's how that works. And the movie doesn't... Uh, the movie's not critical of that fact, really, at all. It's not even critical of the fact that he does it, you know? Uh, it's he bears just a plot no, device. It's just yeah. a plot device. He bears no consequence. And I, it, like, it, it, like, almost, it almost, like, disgusted me. Like, I was very... Like, that moment really kind of shook me out of the movie for, for a while. And, like, you know, I still left it enjoying it enough but like i couldn't get that concept and like that critique out of my head absolutely i will fully admit that like when that was happening i was just sort of like in shock that this 
was being shown and that like we were supposed to root for the guy doing it um i yeah i like 100 percent agree with you uh that was also like a very weird moment for me and that was like an a, a, it bothered me you are 100 percent right i just sort of want to like throw it in that like you are not the only one who like saw that scene and like reacted yeah. like what the fuck is going on yeah it's like it's like funny in the ways that like you see something like that's kind of tasteless 10 years later and like a, like you know you, you see a joke in anchorman they say something that's like yeah that doesn't hold up anymore you know like that feels weird and this movie came out this year you know so it's it's like a weird like you know kind of read the room thing especially like you know like jokes about like me too and stuff happen in the movie which like you you know if you have an articulate on the right you know if you have an articulate joke to make about things like try it sure but like you know i think <laughs> don't read the room if you're going to bring that kind of conversation into this movie because you're not doing a good job at having that conversation with yourself you know it's a shame that this movie does none of the exploration of the fact that scott is dealing with a serious case of arrested development mm. and the fact that he himself is still a kid who never really aged out of the age seven when his dad passed away they missed so many opportunities to fully explore what it means to never actually become an adult. Yeah. And his interaction with children is very similar to how people with arrested development handle themselves. But yeah, it seems like to have a scene like that and then really the only consequence is the dad meets the mom. It's like, oh, okay. And the fact that the dad came back, like, the second time, he was like, yeah, it's fine. Like, it doesn't even matter anymore. Yeah, because he, like, <sighs> he wants to bang Marissa Tomei, which, like, can you blame him? No, but you can blame <laughs> no. him for wanting to do it, you know. Absolutely, like, that's not what I'm faulting him for. But, like, you know, and, and it, it paints the whole, that that moment paints the whole movie, like, differently for me. Because then he comes back, he's like, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm actually, like, a piece of shit. Because I don't really care about my kid's game tattoo. Because I want to I want to fuck you. And then, like, you know, when they're, when Pete Davidson's just, like, trying to get dirt on him, I'm just like, the we have the dirt. He sucks. <laughs> like, he sucks. And Pete Davidson fucking sucks, too. Like, I don't, right. I don't know. Like, it's like, oh, he does insider trading? Like, yeah, he also let his kid take, take it, take the L for him to bang marissa tomei god uh, yeah you're right like that like that was kind of it was bonkers because there was another there's another scene where they are about to they're basically planning on robbing a pharmacy and yeah it's not like they paint it as like oh we're just going in to like look around after dark no they're straight up going to rob this pharmacy and while Pete Davidson's character Scott says like, "Oh, I'm I'm not gonna do that. You guys fuck around, do what you want." He immediately, like, literally, like two days later, he's he's there as like lookout, and that is yeah. also never addressed. Like the fact that he was such a shithead, the fact that he literally like was involved in this arm like semi armed robbery. Like, if one of his friends got killed, he's culpable to it, and I don't think the movie would have addressed that either. You know? Yeah, that's the thing. That's, like, I mean, that's that, that's hearsay in, in a way. I mean, I don't know. I mean, at least the sister did say she was like, "Dude, you were there. Like, you still committed a crime." That's true. But that's yeah. it. Like, he gets that's a slap it. on the wrist, and that's exactly what happened when he tattooed the kid. It's like yeah. his mom was just like, "Oh, I'll punish him. Like, I'll I'll take care of it." And of course, like his punishment is like, "You can go stay in your room." Like, all right. Yeah, and he's like 24 years old. He's like 24. There's no, yeah, there's no, like, there's there's no uh, punishment, or maybe punishment's not, there, there's no consequences for his actions for him to overcome, he, which, you know, I do think if there were consequences to his actions, we get to see this character at an all-time low, that's what movies do. And then you see them get to a good point and you see them grow and then you're like actually he learned not to tattoo children <laughs> i think that's cool now which i don't know if that's a lesson that he learned by the end of this movie that's right? like yeah i totally agree i think it's one of those things where he is never shown to take accountability for his actions like even at the end of the film when he's sort of 
grows and he apologizes and he's like, oh, I'm doing this and this and this. I'm like, that's good for you. But like, do you care? Do you actually care about the people that you hurt? Do you actually recognize that you hurt people? Like, are you going to like call your mother on the week on weekends? Are you going to like check in with your little sister? Like, what the fuck are you going to do, man? Like, it just doesn't feel like they ever get to that point of like self-awareness, right? It feels like he gets right up to it. And again, the movie just like stops short of actually showing him grow, of like showing him be a better human. Yeah, I, I was disappointed that at the end, the reason they all get back together, the the boyfriend, Scott and his mom, it like nothing, they don't actively do anything. Something happens to them. Mm-hmm. This man stumbles into the firehouse and with his wound and they bring him to the emergency room, which is, like, the lowest bar possible of what a human should do. Like, yeah, if this guy comes in, yeah, help him to the emergency room. And then all of a sudden, like, everything's fine. Like, they all get yeah. back together and they're like, yay, we're all friends again. It's- I did like that action Bronson came Yeah. <laughs> Just like how I liked it in The Irishman, which was weird. <laughs> I mean, it's... Yep. For the Irishman. Yeah, it's very much... It's, it's very... It's... Oof, what am I trying to say here? It's so neat right like it ties everything up no one has questions no one has to explain themselves no one has to like provide answers or accountability it's just like here's an inciting here's another inciting incident that no one has to question and then here's the result that also like doesn't warrant any questions like it feels like trauma bonding without actually like development or growth and it's so frustrating because that's at the very end of the film at the very end and we're just like so that's it that's it he's still a dick bag he doesn't have a job he still thinks he can be a tattoo artist and he's just he's just still a dick bag he's still he's still just like a giant yeah canoe of dicks it's not like his tattooing like gets any better, right? No, no, like, that was it's such terrible. a disappointment. Yeah, cause- I thought because I thought it would have been so much cooler if the and I think you guys are probably with me the the reveal of the of the dude's back to be like this magnificent like really cool tattoo piece that he did. And it's just like oh wow, he really does have the talent to do this thing. And you see, and you're just like, all right, so you're still not good at you. And you ruined this guy's back and did a bunch of stuff that he said not to do. Yeah, again and again, it's like not—it's non-consensual. Like, yeah, it's just like, oh yeah, I just—I just chose not to listen to him. It's just like, yeah, like you do all the fucking time. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It—it wasn't funny. (laughs) I think that's kind of the point here, right? Like that reveal wasn't funny. It was just like, oh, oh no. It was, yeah. it was such a yikes moment, and I think that sort of goes into, like, my point here is, like, he didn't actually learn anything. He still, like, he still doesn't give a shit about what anyone else wants, you know? He's just selfish. Yeah. Well, I think it's, you know, I think there's a, a sense of we're looking for a different moral in the movie. Like, we're, we're looking for the moral to be, like, how does he come to terms with his shittiness and how does he move on from it? But the, the movie's point, I think, is how does he get over the death of his father? And and that's kind of like it, right? And it, he gets over the death of his father by, you know, kind of walking in his shoes by being in this fire department, by learning that his father had flaws and that he was actually very similar to him, and by opening the door to letting this dude uh, fuck his mom. <laughs> And and then that's and then and then and then and then those are and then that teaches him to be able to love someone again and he and he tries to date uh, that girl. It's just yeah, so poor Kelsey. I loved her. Yeah, she's she's fun. I think they'd still be good for each other. I don't know. It's just <laughs> yeah, so I really like her. Like all of that, all of that development. Right, it happens in the last hour. It's yeah. the last hour of the film is his growth and his journey. And I'm just like, so what did I watch literally 90 minutes of him being an absolute fuck waffle for? Yeah. Why? Yeah, it's uh, the, the the messaging. And, and the thing is, like, you know, I think we're we're dwelling on these facts, you know, because I brought up like the big the big thing I didn't like about the movie. And I think, you know, the movie in isolated moments can be a lot of fun but it as like a full thing it just kind of like uh falls apart under the microscope a bit i think when you look too closely when you try to like 
make it actually a nice, tangible understanding of trauma and how you move past that. That's when you're like, "Mm -mm, not very good. But when you're just like stoned on your couch and you're watching a Judd Apatow movie, you're like, oh, this is great. I was doing that. And like I said, there were a lot of moments I liked. Yeah. (laughs) I I was just like, I I think that's kind of a problem when Judd, when not necessarily when Judd Apatow does this, but when like young comedians and young authors try to tackle their own story without like being objective about it. It just really felt a lot of it felt immature, not necessarily because of the content of, but of course, like that's part of it, but because of the way that the story developed and the way that the characters moved through the story, I think that yeah. was what really like <clears throat> felt stunted, you know, and it felt like the work of a twenty-six-year-old, which you know Pete Davidson is. Like we can't fault him for that, but like no. maybe someone else, and even like with with uh, Sirius, Sirius and Avatar, like helping co-write it, like maybe someone should have edited it, like a little bit more. Right? Like, it just, I think that's kind of my feeling about it is like, yeah, it feels like an immature Judd Apatow film. Yeah. I think, you know, with comedy movies, sometimes they they don't feel like a whole story. They feel like a bunch of sketches kind of strung together to make a story. For sure. I, I think this movie suffers from that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but not, not as much as the other ones. But I do think that's that's something that's like going on here. And I, and I think that's just something when you have like a lot of sketch writers, like write for film, even though like uh, Kyle Mooney wrote uh Brigsby bear uh, that came out a few years ago. And that movie is great. And it doesn't, and it doesn't feel like, you know, and Kyle Mooney is a, a if, for those who don't know, is a writer for SNL, but like, you know, he, he was able to write something that was like very cohesive and, and a film first and foremost, you know, mm-hmm. while this feels like, you know, it, it could you could break it down into like a few like larger scale like SNL skits and then you kind of just like you know with some emotional undercurrent connecting it all together. Yeah, I also don't really enjoy uh, when the redeeming qualities or where you find out like this character was awesome because he was also doing a bunch of coke, like the scene where they're yeah, talking about like- his dad and like coming out of like the roof of the car and then like making out with a cop and i know that they're buddies and that that's kind of part of the joke but yeah like the fact that they're like oh he got away with everything but that that was a good thing and then it just like reinforced for scott's character to be like yeah my dad was awesome i'm awesome it was just a weird scene and i don't enjoy it where because i don't necessarily have anything wrong with certain types of drugs um but I think it's weird to glorify them and glorify the behaviors while on them. I think that's very damaging and sometimes very irresponsible. And I think this yeah. film handled it irresponsibly. That's Judd think, Apatow, though, right? Like, all of his films yeah. are about drugs and weed and getting high and, like, doing what you need to do to get high, you know? Like, they literally, in addition to having depictions of, like, civil servants doing coke or whatever they also had people literally breaking into a pharmacy to get like prescription oxy you know like i'm just like you it's so casual and it's also just like it's just so casual it's so fucking casual and it's it's like it's for a comedy like it's not it's never interrogated yeah i feel like with knocked up at least knocked up kind of had the main character, the Seth Rogen character, be like, oh yeah, I am kind of a fuck up. And he does kind of yeah. give up his stoner ways. That's the thing. Like, there, there's a way you can have your cake and eat it too. You know, right. you can have those scenes and those jokes, which like, you know, I don't think anyone's saying to like, not have those subjects in the movie, but it's like, if you're not critical of it, then it's like, well then what's, what, what's going on here? You know, I think, I think when it comes to like, uh, Pete Davidson learning that his dad kind of had similar mannerisms to him, like I do, th- I do think there's something to be said about your parents gatekeeping their funnier stories about them, and then when you get to find them out as an adult, it's always like really cool. And mm-hmm. you know, if I found out my dad did like a bunch of coke, I would kind of <laughs> think it was pretty fucking funny, you know? Because <laughs> especially if you've ever met my dad, that'd be super weird. Um, but you're also not a character in a film. That's also true. Yeah. So and and the thing is, like, I d- I do think 
again, you could have your cake and eat it too in the world of film, where it's like you can have that scene, but maybe you know, you know, maybe the story is just like, yeah, your dad died because you're so fucking hopped up on coke, he just ran into this like building that's on fire. But I think it's because it's semi semi autobiographical because it is like it is pretty similar to Pete Davidson's story to, to some extent that they tiptoe around having uh, the characters be valuable, you know? Yeah, so I I did a quick Wikipedia dive into this. Ooh, the deets. I did. So Pete Davidson's father died during the 9-11 attacks. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And yes. He was, and he was a firefighter. But basically, like, that, you know, the background is the same. Like, the trauma is the same. When Pete Davidson was seven... His firefighter father went into an unsafe building and died. You know, like, it's very, very sad and very traumatic and very upsetting. But it's also just like, yeah, that's exactly what what this film is. Like, it could not be more clear that Pete is working through shit in this film. And I don't know if any other Judd Apatow film is quite as directly... Uh, about an individual's trauma as this film is. Um, they feel like they can be. I, mean, I think that's also like kind of the, 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 the strategy in making a lot of those movies. They, they feel so relatable, you know? Yeah, but mm-hmm. the fact is that like it's Pete Davidson. Like I can never yeah. I can never actually connect with Scott because I'm like, it's Pete Davidson, guys. It's Pete Davidson. Um, mm-hmm. and he's even like, oh, I have Crohn's and X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, Pete Davidson has Crohn's. And then it's like, there's, there's like nothing about this character that feels like a character. It feels like Pete Davidson. And I think that kind of bothered me a little bit too. Um, cause I mean, like, I like Pete Davidson. I think he's kind of funny, but like at the same time, I'm like, that's why you watch this film is to like watch him be a dick bag. He's doing his shtick, that is for sure. Um, there's not a lot of times where he feels like he's not being exactly who he is. Yeah, it's really um, what you... But I also I also think that's what you're signing up for, too. I also think that's part of the, the appeal of the flick. For some, for most who would be into this, you know. We are, we are not, I, I don't think, necessarily the intended audience for this movie. Because uh, I don't think this movie is like, super meant to be critically analyzed. Um, but who knows? I definitely feel he was kind of going towards more of that angle than like his normal romp, especially considering he barely had any of the repeating actors. I don't think Steve Buscemi has been in any of his other work. So I think all of these actors were fresh, I think, for this film, if I remember correctly, except for Maude, his daughter, who plays Claire, the sister. Yes. Yeah, I wonder if... Who was I thinking could have been another one of his movies? Bill Burr, I could see being in yeah. something else. But who, I mean, I don't know, though. Right. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. It's one of those things, like, the more I think about it, the less I'm, like, jazzed about it. I don't think it's worth 20 bucks. <laughs> I was I was a little upset when I saw the price tag. It's, I didn't realize it was VOD, so I thought it was, uh, like, just rentable, like, like the 3 or $4 <laughs> it would cost to rent it. And I was just like, mother... Fucker! I don't want to spend twenty dollars on this. We should have coordinated. We did it guys. for art. Oh yeah, we could, yeah. Have pooled, we could have pooled it in. We it's true. We could have next time. But yeah, yeah, this movie got sixty dollars from us. Dang. God damn it! <laughs> you think about oh, that? Fuck. Like, we all went on a very expensive date to watch yeah, this movie. Most, yeah, we didn't even get to have lobster. <laughs> lobster. Yeah. I didn't even drink. It's the worst. I didn't yeah. even order a wine. I uh, I was not drinking during the. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, any other bits or wrapping wrapping up thoughts you want to throw into here? Uh, I would. The only thing that is like it is like fun, but not great. And also, Pete Davidson. If you're listening, please go to therapy. Please. Yeah. Yeah, I wish. I do wish the movie um, w- was more down. For him to get help, because I think that could have been a good moral for other people to watch, right? Like he didn't get any if the help. Movie, if the movie posits, help. no, he didn't. He 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 like fumbled his way through whatever, and he learned some lessons. But like, I don't think his trauma went away, or that trauma can go away. I think it's something you you work you work through and you absorb and build into into something that you want to live with, you know. But 
I mean, the movie doesn't do that at all. Yeah, very much the nicest read you can have at the end of this film is that we were beginning to see the work he was going to take to actually get better. You could assume that maybe he's on the... Maybe his therapy appointment was in that three-hour interim where uh, his girl (laughs) was taking that test. Who knows? (laughs) I don't know. It's a start. Yeah. A walk-in therapist. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who knows? the, The movie's, like, splintered in a lot of directions in that way. There's a lot of, like... I don't know. Because also the movie's a lot like, Staten Island's great, why would you leave Staten Island? And then it's kind of like, well, no one's actually really trying to do that in the movie, so don't worry about it. It's like, okay. Because that's what it kind of like seems like in the beginning. It's just like, I, I can't leave Staten Island because I like it so much. And then the movie's like, you're right, stay here. I did find the title of the film very strange. Uh, I don't know about yeah. you guys, but why I thought it was it weird. That? It's because why is it, it called that? It's because Pete Davidson chose the title, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's about Pete Davidson. <laughs> Linda I mean, solving all of the answers. <laughs> Listen. Linda's got it. Listen. Uh, I mean, I guess it's better than like sad firefighter son the movie. This <laughs> <laughs> does, does exactly roll off the tongue. Oh god. No. Yeah. Yeah, the king I mean, of Staten Island. It's because all right. Pete Davidson has an ego, everybody. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is he, you know, I don't know how many, I, I would think the, the, uh, the vampires and what we do in the shadows are, are the kings of Staten Island. Too true. I'd argue. Too true. I would argue that. And I don't know if they're in this movie or like if they're canon in the world of King of Staten Island. So th- I guess here's the thing. We never act, we don't see a lot of like night happening. So they That's could true. be. So they could be out and about. These movies could be happening simultaneously. Wow. And there's no there's no scene where Pete Davidson's just like, yeah, and there's these fucking vampires that live in this house. My cat's dead. Oh my god. <laughs> it would have uh, been so like funny if they would have gone to that graduation party and it would have been the house from <laughs> oh, imagine <laughs> what we do in the shadows and she says, yes. I love this house. Honestly, <laughs> guys. Very good. Imagine if instead of like uh, Scott's father dying in a fire. He like actually got killed by vampires. Plot twist. Oh my gosh. Honestly, well that that means you know then it's a revenge movie. Honestly, I think we've just made this movie like three times better. Yeah. Well, just the just the notion that it could take place in the, what we do in the shadows universe. It's like this might be the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't know. Like <laughs> <laughs> just like that that inherent possibility like yeah. Guillermo could be around the corner and we the think pieces we could write of you know is a canon that what that what we do in the shadows is in the same universe as King of Staten Island <laughs> we should develop like a whole Five working reasons. theory of like other Staten Island films and seeing if we can just tie them into King of Staten Island to make the film better I mean like why not right Honestly, there's, there's nothing he does that's so specific that it could not coexist I mean, right yeah there's nothing. This could li- this. That's another problem I have. Like this movie could take place anywhere. What's the point of Staten Island? I think like the caricatures of some people, and you get Marissa Tomei to like have a really like lame New York accent. Okay. And that's but it's all it, it's it's surface level. Like don't get me wrong, he could be king of Long Island, and it'd be the exact fucking same, or king of Nassau County, because those places are if it's a if it, like it's of a Venn diagram. Nassau County and Staten Island is a perfect circle. Um, and that's just that. I mean, it could literally be any any sort of, like, kind of suburb of a big city. It could be Fairfax, yeah. Virginia, you know? Like, it doesn't... I mean... It could be yeah. anywhere. And that I found that, like, a little frustrating and a little silly. Like Maybe they're too afraid to shit on Staten Island too hard. Even though they're, like, definitely shitting on Staten Island, as everything that takes place in Staten Island fictionally does. Like, that's the That's the joke. That's the joke. That's the thing, right? Like, if they had actually, like, made it full on, like, his father died in the 9-11 attacks, all right, that, like, places it more. And that yeah, makes yeah. that makes it a more interesting story because, like, you have this sort of, like, national myth that you're dealing with in addition to, like, being, like, and you know what? Some of those heroes just have dirtbag sons. Yeah, I thought it was really weird when that new girl to their crew asks, like, what's that date tattooed on your arm? And I was like, oh, they're so, so they're going away from 9-11 immediately at yeah, the beginning of this film. Because if it said 9-11 yeah. on his arm, she wouldn't be questioning, why do you have that date tattooed? Yeah, it's a little weird. I do, you know, 
when you throw 9-11 into the stew, the whole stew is going to taste like 9-11. It's a powerful ingredient. It's a powerful narrative ingredient, and I think that they didn't want to have to to deal with it. Uh, I'm not saying, not not to disavow, like, that it could have been really interesting to see. Yeah, but, I think that uh, might have been what it was missing. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, exactly what Burns just said. Like, I think that that's kind of the whole that's kind of what's wrong with the story is that it never actually goes there. It never goes far enough. It doesn't interrogate itself enough. Like it doesn't, it doesn't try, you know, it's one of those things like they want to focus so much on, on some things and not other things that they don't realize that by focusing on what it does, it takes away from the story. Like it, it doesn't make it better that he died in a random house fire rather than in nine 11. And I think that that's kind of the problem, right? Like, it just doesn't go far enough, and it doesn't care to. And it's like, oh, we're just going to ignore this part of our story right now. Yeah. He didn't tattoo a child. Don't worry about that. He didn't die during 9-11. Don't worry about that. Yeah, well, it makes, like, his... Uh, Same vibe. His, it makes his, like, rant when he's, like, super critical of the fire department at the at the Yankee game. Uh, like, it, I remember that scene just feeling really weird. It's just like, cause I've never like known someone to be like, firefighters suck for this reason is, and I'm always like, I'm like, I don't know. The ones I've met are pretty nice. Um, but he, for someone to be so, have such a bad taste in their mouth because, you know, it took away his dad. I get, I get that angle that I think they're, that they're going for. Like that makes sense in the context of the scene. But I just thought it was weird. It's just like, oh, he really hates the fire. Like he really hates the fire department. Like. It's, it just felt a little strange, you know? Yeah, and I wish they would have explored that further with his relationship with Harold, um, whose literal superhero that he thinks is the best is an ice superhero, which is like the yeah. antithesis to fire. I wish they would have had more interactions with that kid. Sans Scott tattooing him. Like, taking the tattoo out of the movie and just having him like have this actual relationship with Harold would have been really cool. It's just such a dastard, not to go, not to harp on it. It's just such a dastardly deed. (laughs) Like, it's such a shitty thing to do that it's crazy that the movie is just like, it's just another moment in this guy's life. And now they're friends now. Yeah. And they draw together. Can you imagine what fucking Twitter would say if they found out, like, in real life, this dude tattooed, like, a 10-year-old? Can you imagine? I can. It's okay. He's a man. He can get away with it. That's true, he's white. He's a white boy. Um, he's a white guy. And he dated <sighs> Ariana Grande, so he's got to be pretty nice. Yeah, they were engaged for like a week. <laughs> <laughs> that dude fucks. Where was that in the film, goddammit? <laughs> that, uh, he has some level of appeal that I don't understand, but... He's charming. Like, he's charismatic. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He also has, I mean, Linda, you know, we're, we're getting a little long on time, but, sure. I, you know, you wanted to talk about the, the wardrobe of this movie. Yo. <laughs> I can't take that away. I can't take that away. Okay, yeah. This will be the last thing I say, but I would wear every single <laughs> outfit that he puts on in that film. Like, without a doubt, 100%, like, jock shorts, like, weird t-shirt on it. And then there was this one outfit where he was wearing overalls and like a terrible shirt, and I was just like, "I like, I like the overall outfit." Me I too. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah. "I <laughs> want that wardrobe now, right now." Yeah, uh, it's you know, dirtbag chic. He pulls off very well. I mean, he looks like a very, very, you know, he he dresses like a lesbian that sort of just discovered fashion and has no idea what to do, but is trying really, really hard to be fashionable. And I'm like, "You lesbian." You absolute. I feel like I feel like he's one of those though, where like you know he'll just throw on a bunch of shit, yeah, and he just makes it like it's his physique and and an aura that just really, you know, turns a bunch of shit into like fire outfit fashion. Uh, I don't I don't work, have that work work. Yeah, work. I don't have like the the mysticism that makes you see whatever weird shit I put on to be like it's great, it's great whatever the <laughs> fuck weird thing they're doing. Uh, I do think I could pull off a rock and pair overalls, but oh, you totally should. Funny. Yo, I got. I could do it. I'll tell you something after the. Podcast, I'm not ready. But... I, I, that's like diving so headfirst to like the the gay pool that I don't know if my little queer heart is ready. I don't know. Oh, you gotta. Overalls I are great. You. <sighs> I, I would you. like to. You put your phone in like your center pocket. I've done oh, that. Yeah. I it sounds great. I call people. I put the little phone in there. Put them on speakerphone. Just walk around. Yeah. 
There you go. Feel like, feel like a little farmer. Queer approved. Queer approved. Well, I'll keep it in mind. All right. Anything else, guys, before we... You're good, Linda. Burn, anything else? No. I think we've no. sussed it out. Yeah. It's a movie. That's some more. That's some more. That's some more. It sure is Pete well, Davidson. It sure is. It's the movie. What you see in the trailer is almost exactly what you get. So it's, there's no false advertising. I do think it's weird that in like the little blurb, the write up, even when you search for the movie on Google, it says like a semi autobiographical tale of Pete Davidson and his life when his father passed away during 9 11. And how he came to his prominence, like, how he came to approaching stand-up comedy. So it's weird that they put oh, that in, like, that weird. the info for the film. So I was like, oh, we're going to see, like, some of this journey. And then it's like, oh, no, he's just, like, some weirdo who wants to open a tattoo restaurant. Like, it was yeah, weird. It would have it made sense for that character for him to try and do a stand-up or something, right? Like, it would have made sense that it's just like, I can't do tattooing, but I'm going to try comedy. Like, I've seen that movie somewhere. <laughs> because... <laughs> Again, I will like just restate that the film never actually goes into it. It it does yeah. it just doesn't go far enough. It just doesn't care. It's like almost semi it's almost an autobiography. And then it's just like but we can't be too real. We can't get yeah. too real up in here. It's a Pete Davidson joint. Yeah, so a little bit of false advertising. But maybe that's yes. to like throw people off the scent. I don't know. Things to get people in. I don't yeah. think you know, anyone. Pete, Pete Davidson's someone who seems like he's fucked up, right? Like it's like when you hear about like Shia LaBeouf's doing the semi autobiographical movie, you're like, you mean a guy who's like does all that fucked up shit? Like <laughs> you mean that guy? I heard he went to rehab, and he's there's like three interviews online where he goes crazy. I want to see a movie about that. And, <laughs> and uh, then it's good, it. and then it's and great. Then it's really good, but it's also like very meditative on exactly those issues, and it goes into like the shit, you mm-hmm. know like the bad shit yeah where this movie just kind of like it makes the bad shit a comedy set piece so then it doesn't like yeah i think my last my last moment here is gonna say like the movie doesn't actually care about itself it it's sort of like it cares about pete davidson and his like reputation and like his vibe but the movie doesn't actually care and i think that's that's where i like sort of got hung up is that it does not have it. It doesn't have an investment in itself. It only is invested in Pete Davidson. Well, yeah, yeah. I think maybe the people who made this film were just too close to the film. They couldn't see it for what it actually ended up being. Yeah, that's I think true. That's fair. Well, you know what I'm invested in? Storyscreenbeacon.com. <laughs> Story screen, story screen, story ice cream for everybody. Story screen, uh, storyscreenbeacon.com is a website as a host to many podcasts, articles, and reviews from uh, everyone here on this panel and more. So you can also much go on this more. website. More. You can also go on this website and you can buy a fucking t shirt. You could buy a nice canvas tote bag. You can also buy a mug. So if you want to, you know, support us and spend some money, you can do that. We also have an exclusive feed of content. Uh, if you just can't get enough of the stuff we post regularly, you can get more for $5 a month by signing up there. We are also doing uh, a drive-in movie theater. Um, at the time of this recording, it should probably, or at the time of this releases, it should probably be going. You can go on our website for details there. You can follow us all on our various social medias. Uh, and that's all I got. You guys, anything you want to plug? Anything you want to say? Listen to no? Try Kai Nine. Listen to Try. Yeah, plug. Yeah, what's Try Kai Nine about again? Uh, it is a podcast Bernadette and I are on, along with our friend Deanna, Diana, Demuro, um, where we talk about two movies, both produced in a year that ends in nine, and we're currently still in nineteen ninety nine. But you can listen to us talk about bangers like Ten Things I Hate About You and. What did we talk about with them? With that one? I think She's All That. Yeah. 10 Things I Hate About You and She's All That. We also talk about uh, The Mummy and Boondock Saints. And then we also talk about lots of other films that from 1999 that I can't really recall right now. But we did it. Oh, Rushmore and oh. Election Year. Um, so if the you alleged, like... alleged uh, best year in movies. Yeah. 1999. 1999. Allegedly the, one of the best years in movies. And if you want to hear... 
uh, three weirdos giggle a lot and talk about things that we liked, um, check out Trikai 9 by Story Screen Presents. Yes. Yes. And don't forget to subscribe to our shit, like our shit, comment on our shit, and tell your friends about, not shit, but a good podcast about movies. Yeah, we also Thank have Oops, some, sorry, some other podcasts uh, that cost you $5 a month if you want to subscribe to our exclusive content feed on the website, storyscreenbeacon.com. Yep, we've been doing a lot of uh, director-specific conversations, mm-hmm. uh, podcasts about Edgar Wright, uh, John Carpenter. I think that's something that we're going to do going forward is kind of tackling bodies of work. Uh, and that and that's that, Mattress Man. That's that. All right, guys, thanks again. Thank you guys all for listening. Until next time, peace. Bye. Bye. do we'll go back does anyone need to take a break or anything no one no, needs i'm make, good no one needs to make a pp <laughs> right. we we use the term bio break in that's disgusting that sounds te- way worse <laughs> what <laughs> you just asked if anyone needed to like go pee which is not as bad yeah. as asking if someone needs a bio break he said take a pp i said take a pp i Taking a bio break sounds like you're going to like eat sludge from like a barrel that has like the radioactive symbol on it. What is wrong with you? What? I'm just saying that's what came to my that's, mind. That's is, wrong. Is your ass head first in the pile of goo, just like Whoa. <laughs> I need to eat my radioactive waste. Babe, I need to take a bio break. Babe, what's wrong with you? I don't know. Okay. I don't know what's wrong with me. All right. Being in quarantine for too long, that's the problem. <laughs> I know. Oh, no. This podcast is too short to get into that. Oh, gosh. <laughs> True. Uh, For any of us. Yes.